0: everybody welcome to this week's episode of the podcast where I interview Rob Minton from Ohio. Rob is a former accountant, former real estate bigwig and I came across him after I got my real estate license in 2012-13 I think and uh, through Craig Proctor who's another real estate trainer and uh, I've been following Rob ever since. He's Come in and out of real estate as far as the brokerage side, but he's always been involved in it from an investment standpoint. And we talk about a lot of things. Rob is a interesting guy. I've been taking his newsletter for years. It's it's a little bit about real estate. It's a little bit about investing. It's a little bit about living the lifestyle that you want to live. And uh, his belief is that you know investments should fund your lifestyle through the cash flow that they generate it's very well worth signing up for at his uh, website Nair. please give the episode a listen and i hope you like it and please leave a comment like share tell all your friends about it thanks for listening today i'm joined on the podcast by rob minton m-i-n-t-o-n and i've been trying to figure out how i first heard of you or kind of came across your stuff because i was just looking at my emails <laughs> i never i never delete anything I, that zero inbox i can't handle so i just yeah, i don't even do. looked at one of my email addresses that you have i think i get three of everything from you <laughs> it said uh Showing one through 100 of many is what it said on the email. So you're very consistent
1: with your email marketing. and Yeah, I'm not consistent with many things, but that is one thing I'm fairly consistent with. So, yeah.
0: How did you, I I think it was through Dan Kennedy or it was through your stuff you were doing around kind of after the 2008, 2009 kind of real estate meltdown. And uh, I had just gotten my real estate agent's license. At the time and probably through dan kennedy i think i've still got some old cds and stuff of you and him talking how did you come across following him how did you meet him and what kind of effect has he had on your cash flow air newsletter and and mindset that you
1: yeah um, you know that is a that's an interesting question i i honestly cannot remember how I came to find Dan Kennedy. I it may have been, if I had to guess, it would be that I was. This was, you know, early two thousands, maybe late nineteen nineties. I was a real estate salesperson, and I was really studying Craig Proctor's. Yes. Geez, I don't know if Craig was around, but you know, Craig kind of taught this marketing system where you would run thing for free, like a free report, and then. You know, that would help you start to build a relationship with new clients. This is probably it because Dan Kennedy was like a consultant for Craig Proctor, and he must have mentioned Dan Kennedy at the event. So you typically find that person, then you go down the, the rabbit hole of, so I think that's probably what happened is I. I probably heard of Dan Kennedy and then I researched and probably got his first book and, you know, and what he was writing. I'm like, man, you know, what he was talking about, it's, he basically teaches people how to build businesses and how to advertise properly. And, you know, I came from an accounting background. I'm the college for accounting. So what, what Dan was teaching was like completely transformative to me because I'd never learned any of those strategies. And so I am in Ohio. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. And I didn't know it when I started to research in Kennedy, but Dan lives in Ohio. He actually lives maybe 30, 40 minutes from me. So I finally built up the courage to hire Dan for a consulting day. And, you know, back then, I think it was like $8,000 for a day to spend right. a day with Dan. I wrote the check and I went and I spent the day with them. And, you know, we talked about my business and he kind of pulled apart my business and saw what was working and like, hey, why don't you do this and this and this? And that that kind of started the whole relationship with Dan was from that consulting day.
0: That sounds like a big step.
1: <laughs> it was back um, at the time. Yeah, it was at uh, the time.
0: I imagine he had a lasting impact on you. Um, and he's Kind of made a comeback lately. Have you been keeping up with him or?
1: I'm not connected to Dan uh, tightly as I had been in the past. He actually had a pretty serious health scare a few years ago. Right. And uh, he kind of semi retired and, you know, he is writing. I still read dance materials, but yeah, I'm not, you know, in any groups with him or, or working with him. But yeah, no, he was an extremely valuable mentor to me. I learned so much from him that I still use on a daily basis.
0: Speaking of your daily basis, what does your day look like? Do you, are you a person that time blocks and, you know, you wake up at the same time? every morning you go to bed at the same time every night you know from whatever time to whatever time you're doing this and then you know then the clock starts on the next thing or how do you run things day to day
1: uh i don't have like i wish i had this glamorous uh life to to share but uh, it's a pretty routine you know and it's funny cuz i say that i hate routine but i i i thrive on routine you know i like variety but this is another story so back then it was called late intuition my favorite partner at the firm we we were talking one day and he's like you know I couldn't sleep last night so he's like so I I just got up and goes, I just started working so he's like I'm way ahead because it was quiet really in the middle of the night he Mm -hmm. got so much accomplished so you know I'm up early and I'm like I'm gonna just copy him so I you know typically I'm up early and I'll read and kind of think and stuff in the morning and then I will write for a couple hours and then I'll exercise and I'll work a little bit more in the afternoon but I probably get more done i would say from 5 a.m till 9 a.m that most people do and it's simply because it's quiet right no one's calling you no one's texting you and then from there the day kind of loosens up or well, right, i'll exercise i'll read you know and then i usually fall asleep by nine i'm not i'm not a very exciting guy at night you
0: know? <laughs> i'm usually <laughs> waking looking at the clock about 7 30 think i can make it till nine i can make it till nine <laughs>
1: it's a challenge to get to nine right yeah right. So, yeah i'm I'm in the same boat with you then i mean i agree
0: with you 100 percent. i drove back and forth uh 30 plus years to the fire department depending on the station i was at i was you know anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half one-way drive and oh, that's brutal i just got to where i enjoyed that so much you enjoyed listening ride. to the I quit listening to the radio a long time ago and then started with podcasts and music and just whatever I wanted to, or just nothing. You know, some days it was just silence. You could think, right? um, I missed that uh after i retired so i think waking up early and like i said getting a start on the day there's no distractions there's nobody's calling or texting at that time and it's just me and the cat and uh, if i can keep her from jumping up on my laptop i can get something done where did you learn about building an email list was that kind of part of the Craig Proctor in your real estate days or because I would imagine that I've heard from a lot of people that that's their most valuable asset is their email list that they built over time because nobody can take that away from you. Uh, those are yours. They're not beholden to a a certain entity that can block you from sending those out and everything so
1: real estate sales for those who don't know if you're a real estate salesperson you're really your own business owner you you're responsible for attracting new clients you know helping those clients with their real estate needs and then you know once you help them buy or sell a home then you have to help get that home closed with inspections and title companies and and then after that you know you want to maintain that relationship. Well. When I started to study marketing, because I didn't really learn marketing in college, Craig Proctor would teach us to offer a report. Back then it was like, say, you know, how to sell your home fast and for top dollar. And Mm -hmm. And the report was really, you know, if someone were thinking of selling a home, that report would be helpful for them. But then now you have the opportunity to build that relationship with them once they request that report. So, you know, I didn't really realize it at the time, but when you start doing that, we, we refer to that as lead generation. You know, you're basically attracting people to you who you might be able to help with their real estate needs. And everything in business and sales is really connected to building a relationship. And email was it was free, right? You can write an email and and, and send an email and it just seemed like, the best one of the best tools that you could use to build that relationship so when you had shared earlier that you have one, what was it like hundreds of emails from me? It was like, I'm working to try to build that relationship and I'm also marketing different products and services in those emails, but business, your database of customers is by far your most valuable asset, right? And, and I don't think many small business owners really truly understand the impact of that. And, and if you go to any small business in your area, just notice, are they trying to get your contact information? Mm-hmm. And if they're not trying to get your contact information, That means that they're not, they don't even understand the value of building that relationship with you. Because if you're interested in that business, the chances are that if they sent out really good emails, that maybe you would purchase more from that business. So long-winded answer, but yeah, it's, it's a critically important part. It should be a critically important part of just about every single business, in my opinion. Do you listen to podcasts quite a bit or do you... I do. You know, I do. But so I work from home, so I'm not in a car and I don't have long commutes if I had any i'm in the car for any time and if i'm by myself it, it's certainly a podcast when i exercise especially cardio if i'm running or something it's always music so i don't listen to a, a ton of podcasts. the only other time i listen to podcasts is when I, we have a dog and if i'm out um, hiking or walking with a dog i'll typically have a podcast and yeah
0: i was listening to tim Ferriss recently with james clear who wrote atomic habits mm-hmm. and i actually had to re-listen to that i was it was just so good and they talked about what they would take in return to give up their email lists and it was uh, it was hard for them to even comprehend what it would take to give that list up your newsletter uh, how did you get into the newsletter business because that's really how I I've got several of your reports been a subscriber to your newsletter for several years and tell us about how that got started and kind of the evolution of it because it's you've added things over time which is is good i like your your monthly challenges that you added the physical aspect of it that you added um a few years back and how'd you get started in that
1: i, I would have to say that i it's probably dan kennedy um i haven't thought about this but so when i was a long time ago and i was studying and involved in Craig Proctor's world, Craig would send out, I'm sure it was a paid newsletter, but he would send out a paid newsletter. And it was the newsletter was to real estate professionals and he was sharing different strategies and how he was building his real estate business. And he was, you know, probably one of the top producers in Canada at the time. I loved his newsletter, but I don't think at that time it ever dawned on me to write a newsletter, right? I mm-hmm. just loved it. When it came, I ripped it open and studied. It. So then I start studying Dan Kennedy Dan Kennedy sent out a monthly newsletter, and the same exact right. his newsletter would come. I tear it open, highlighter, and I always just trying to implement one thing from it. I was really passionate about real estate investing. If, if somehow clicked, I'm like, well, why don't I write a newsletter, right? And so I started writing these newsletters, and it was just what I was doing, what what I was learning, mistakes I was making. I got a little bit better, and then you know I started sending it out to clients, and I started getting great feedback on it, and and then you know I made it a a paid subscription and truth be told i think i benefit more from writing the newsletters than anyone than than the reader does and it's because right. it forces you i mean if you think about it if you had to produce a 12 10 15 20 page newsletters every single month it forces you to think about things it forces you to read more and it, i think it makes you more a attentive to everything you're doing. So if you're watching, like if I'm watching a movie and I see something, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I then the next morning I'm like, how can I use this? And yes. what can I learn from this? So I just think it it's helpful for me. Yeah. The content is
0: everywhere. Once you sh- get in the mindset of, of looking for it, like I said, a thought that crosses your mind while you're, like I said, on a run, I've always got a pen and a paper or I'll pull out my phone and write something down or just record. I probably got hundreds of little voice recordings of a, an idea or a, a lyric for a song or an idea for something yeah. that I should do I email
1: myself or, yeah like if I have I see something I email myself so the next morning when I log on the email I usually ten emails for myself as a reminder so yeah
0: right that's good so tell me
1: about where'd you grow up are you from Ohio or in grew up there and I was born and raised here in Ohio Uh, we are somewhat close to Cleveland Ohio we're on the east side Cleveland is in Cuyahoga County and we are in Lake County so we're about I don't know 20 30 minutes from Cleveland we live really close to Lake Erie so we're about two minutes from the lake spend a lot of time at the lake yeah even in the winter it's not obviously as beautiful as it is in the summer but uh, I definitely enjoy the water there was a point in time when we almost relocated the hard part about Ohio is that in the winter, it's gray probably, I would think, from maybe early December through March. The cold and snow really isn't the big deal. It's just the gray that you feel, and it's you know it's hard to be excited about stuff when it's just gray 24-7. I think it was back in 2007 that uh, my wife and I almost relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina. Prior to that, we had found Lake Norman, and we had had Several amazing vacations. We would rent a house on the lake and we'd have like we'd rent a pontoon boat and jet skis and we just fell in love with Lake Norman in the area. So we were very close to buying a home on the lake there. Turned out that my wife really wasn't ready at that point in time to relocate, which in hindsight it turned out to be the right decision for our family. You kind of get yourself established in an area and if you have a business and you have children or if you have real estate investments, it becomes a little bit more challenging to relocate because you've kind of put these branches of a great life into the ground and you're you're building this amazing support system for your family and building investments and business. So it becomes difficult to relocate, which is why we haven't relocated. But now that we're empty nesters, we are trying to enjoy spending three, four, five weeks in the warmer weather every, you know, February or March timeframe just to, to kind of get a break from the grade that we have here in Ohio.
0: Yeah. We uh we're having a ice we don't get much snow down here obviously i'm south of dallas about 60 miles 65 miles and we rarely get snow but man it's the ice is what's killing us right now i mean there are trees snapping i've got a day's worth of cleanup just on my little lot from limbs that have come down with all the ice it'll rain the temperature will get up into the low 30s it'll rain and then it'll fall back down to the high 20s and everything will freeze then everything's popping and It's crazy. Yeah, we're not used to the the
1: (laughs) cold and ice. Uh, Yeah. Do you even have a furnace in your house? (laughs) (laughs) What's that? I was joking. Do you even have a furnace in your house?
0: Uh Uh, Yeah. I mean, we've got HVAC. So we've got, you know, central heat and central air. So it's, it's, there's a furnace there. And I've actually got gas, natural gas. So that saves on electricity. So it's much cheaper to run a gas furnace than it is an electric furnace these days. Didn't, weren't y'all like like seven feet of snow earlier in the year or something or just like something crazy where you're digging out and uh thankfully that
1: is not us. It's buffalo i thought you'd seen in
0: one of your emails that you were like snowed in for Uh, oh yeah
1: we get no we'll have periods where it gets we get a lot of snow and it'll get icy and I'm kind of used to it up here in our city. They're great with snow removal and salting. So, right, yeah. Um, Once they're used to it, I couldn't imagine how challenging it would be for you folks. Yeah, yeah.
0: Why accounting? Was that your uh, dream job growing up? Or was it just something that you were good at that you thought would be a
1: career? It's so funny you say that. I don't know if accounting is anyone's dream job, to be honest with you. But uh, uh-huh. well, I guess I should speak for myself. It really wasn't an exciting job for me. Maybe it is for other people. I worked in public accounting, and our you know the job was we would go out to the offices of our clients and audit their financial statements, uh, which you know, it's really not an exciting process. You're just trying to verify that the numbers they report in their annual income statement or balance sheet, that those numbers are somewhat accurate. So, you know, we're working at places where people really don't want us around. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it's just not an exciting job. It was one of those jobs where you kind of have a pit in your stomach on Sunday night before you go in. It was not my dream job. And in fact, You know, when I was in college, earlier on in college, I wanted to be a stockbroker. If I had to guess, I would think that I wanted to be a stockbroker because I watched uh, the movie Wall Street with uh, what's his name? Michael Douglas, you know, the Gordon Gekko character just really was uh, attracted to that opportunity. But then once you get into college and you start to learn a little bit more about the economy and job opportunities, it became very clear that accounting offered an easier path to success, kind of handle things properly while you're in college, you pretty much set yourself up for a great job. And if you were able to get into one of the large public accounting firms, which thankfully I was, you have the ability to kind of go from ground level to partner within maybe 12 to 15 years, which was kind of exciting to me is to be able to get to that level so quickly But unfortunately, I just really did not enjoy the job. And it didn't seem to make sense to stay in a job that you didn't enjoy, even though that, you know, it was a great career.
0: Did you meet your wife at college or your childhood sweethearts, sir?
1: She's actually from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So she went to Kent State, which I don't think was her first choice for college. She actually wanted to go to a different college, but her father kind of pushed her into Kent State, which... It was a big win for me. So she lived on the floor below me in my first dorm, uh, my freshman and sophomore years. And at the time, I had a part-time job working at a cafeteria on campus. And to get to work, I had to walk past her room in order to kind of get to that particular cafeteria and so you know i would end up seeing her frequently and we became friends and one thing led to another and uh, here we are i think we're about to hit our 30-year mark of of being married which is which is pretty cool
0: huh my wife and i met in speech class at uh, tyler junior college and (laughs) she said when she said when she walked in the first day of course her and her friend always came in always late always late (laughs) <laughs> and she said they came in and she, at the time I had hair, uh, long hair. She said it was between me, she's going to sit by me, or, or close to me, or or the, uh, the guy on the tennis team. Lucky for me. Lucky for me. It's, it's the cool guy won. Uh, yeah. She
1: did not choose the tennis guy.
0: Yeah, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me
1: yeah and that's not a fun class right speech class like so I, like I didn't mind it
0: she I can't believe she even took it knowing what I know about her now I, for some reason it didn't bother me I've never minded in certain situations it's weird because I was in the band in junior high and didn't have a problem you know with being like doing a solo and I sing karaoke I don't have a problem with that in certain situations i I don't mind not making a fool of yourself, but just I'm okay with it. Doesn't bother me that much. And speech class was like that. But knowing her, she doesn't even want her picture taken now. <laughs> um, so it was amazing that she even agreed to take that class. Another blessing, blessing. Yeah. You. Two daughters and they're grown. Are they doing their own things and living life and getting accounting degrees?
1: <laughs> uh Yes, two daughters. My older daughter, she lives in London. She graduated with like a a bachelor's degree in screenwriting. She's always wanted to be in London, so she got involved in a master's program at the London Film School. Okay, and she's over there. But the challenge with that industry is that you know there's no really clear cut path when you graduate. It's you write these scripts and you got to submit them and try to sell your scripts, and so it's a challenging situation to be in. So she's hustling. She's doing you know editing for you. She does stuff for me. and she does all these side jobs, but she's pursuing different opportunities in London. My younger daughter, she's at the University of Dayton, which is still in Ohio, but it's about four hours away. And uh, oddly enough, she's studying marketing. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, she's just a natural born salesperson. She can certainly get money out of my pocket like that. <laughs> so y-
0: y'all have some it, interesting conversations around that. You say I could have told you that. You didn't have to go to Dayton to learn that. Well,
1: you you know it's, what's what's kind of cool about both of them is that they now like potentially value my advice more than maybe they did yeah. in the past. My younger daughter has to do the sales presentation, and she'll she'll like give me the outline, and I'll give her some suggestions for improvement. She's like, well, you know. I know all this stuff, and I'm just like, well, oh, I'm—I've been kind of doing it for <laughs> a little, little yeah. while, so um, yeah. But no, it's—it's it's neat. It's you know, it's cool to be able to help when help is wanted. Because I've made so many mistakes trying to force help right. <laughs> when, it worked, yeah. when it wasn't wanted. So uh, yeah, but no, they're—they're they're good. They're great great girls
0: it gives you a new relationship with them when you can talk about something you know that you both share an interest in you know it's with most kids when you know from the whatever their age 12 to 20 or early 20s it's like you know dad becomes the dumbass and um, he doesn't know anything and then (laughs) if things work out right eventually like you said you come across some common interest or they start asking you well maybe dad knows something about this maybe he's
1: not such a dummy he's still a duck but he's not
0: a level 10 dumbass he's just level.
1: yeah well right yeah so no but it's it's cool so you know i might not be able to tell her how to i don't know to write a cool movie scene or whatever Mm -hmm. she can figure that stuff out on her own but you know, when she's cold emailing somebody, I can give her some help with that email, you know. So, um, but yeah.
0: You've got a lot of things going. Uh, I've, I think I sent you an email or maybe I just sent you a picture of my Rob Minton file on my computer with all the PDFs that I've got from you. It's like probably <laughs> 40 or 50 different things <laughs> over the years. So, uh, um, what are you into uh, now? What do you? What are the things that you're looking forward to working on and that are interesting to you and your business? I know you've got, you've got mobile homes, you've got some crypto stuff going, you've got stock investments, financial investments, that sort of thing. So what are you thinking about the market last year? And now (laughs) through the first few weeks of this year, I was just looking at it while I go. It's, I don't know what happened uh between december 31st and january you know the first
1: day or two of the trading year but the switch was thrown i'm kind of i'm, I'm kind of bummed too to be honest with you but um yeah i i i really i know there are a lot of people that can go in and look at economic data and try to make a forecast about you know what will happen i'm i'm not right. one of those people you know so whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I just kind of want to try to structure things so that over the long term that I'm making the right decisions right. now that will pay off down the road. Here, all the tech stocks and you know, all the all the tech stuff in the market kind of tanked. And so this year, I've been strategically trying to add to some of those things. And I was hoping that things would actually get uglier because it would give me the opportunity to keep keep accumulating. But unfortunately, right. it's... It's taken off. You know, in the big picture, I'm I'm always trying to figure out a, a way to multiply assets. I guess if I had to say that's my main financial goal is I want to take one asset and turn it into two. I'm always messing around with different strategies to to do that and you know so i make a lot of mistakes in the process but it's like how can i what's the fastest way to multiply an asset and so that's you i'm just really excited i'm always messing around with that so i don't know what the market's going to do but i just know that i'm going to keep trying to compound assets regardless right. of what
0: happens. well that's why uh, that's why you divert your It seems to me that you're well diversified, too, because you've got things in real estate. You've got the mobile homes that we mentioned that I hear you uh, write about. And, you know, I've got a couple of those with some people. I'm sure my stuff is at a much smaller scale than than yours. It is interesting and fun, to. It's fun when you can see something like you said, because because you're looking long term that. Other people can miss because they're thinking short term uh, and then eventually see that come around and have it Let me just perform I, like you want to.
1: I'll just share. And you know, you probably know my backstory, but real quick is I was practicing what you would consider regular real estate. You know, I was helping buyers buy homes and I was helping sellers sell homes. And I was also helping real estate investors. And my passion then and today was helping real estate investors, was helping find great properties that would provide them with monthly income and have the ability to potentially appreciate over time. So, you know, I started to learn about Dan Kennedy and I started to study all of his books and his newsletter and I started to apply some of the things that he was teaching. Sooner or later, my business started to improve, right? We started uh, to attract more people to the business, began to specialize with just investors and I started writing a newsletter and in that newsletter I was trying to share things that I had learned. I would do case studies on properties that were great properties and why they were great properties. I would share mistakes that I made and I would highlight different ways to increase income and decrease expenses. Basically, the newsletter covered everything I was learning and doing with my real estate investments. Business was going well, the newsletter took off, business was doubling and tripling and things were great. And this is about the time when we were about to relocate to Charlotte, North Carolina. And in fact, I sold my real estate business, my brokerage, and the plan was to basically trade that business for the lakefront home in Charlotte, North Carolina. Like I said, my wife didn't wasn't really ready to relocate, which was the right decision. And then soon after that, 2000, the 2008 real estate market crash hit, that crash was very challenging for my family financially. And that's because I had purchased a large portfolio of real estate investments, a commercial property, apartment buildings, a bunch of single family. I had a bunch of property and all those properties were heavily financed. I This was before the 2008 crash. Investors could buy properties with very low down payments. So the strategy that we were using back then was try to get as much of the bank's money as possible for the real estate investment, keeping our money off the table. Well, the problem with that strategy is when the market crash hit, the value of all those properties dropped very quickly and the mortgage balances stayed flat meaning you went from being, you know, having equity to having no equity. And it was a very challenging process that had I been in North Carolina, it would have been almost impossible to deal with. But thankfully, we learned several important lessons, which have helped us here since 2008 and with our current real estate investments and our current businesses. The benefit of going through a financial jam like that is that your credit score gets obliviated, right? I mean, I, I I don't think I could back then. I don't think I could have borrowed money to buy a tractor. I mean, yeah. I wanted to continue to invest. I had to figure out a way to do it without borrowing money. Yeah. One of the reasons why I focused on manufactured homes is because I could buy them without uh, borrowing money, and it's so it's just rebuilding that portfolio. But I, you kind of want to get yourself in a position of strength where whatever happens in the market, you're okay. And right. in, in 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 fact, if things get ugly, it's actually a, a good opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. So I wish I would have understood that. Prior to 2008, but thankfully I learned it then.
0: That is a hard lesson to learn. I think with a lot of things that are going on in the economy right now, a lot of businesses are struggling with having to actually pay a market interest rate. You know, on their loans that they are getting. Part of that is what I think contributed to the FTX fiasco and crypto, and uh, just a lot of businesses that were the hedge funds that are. Used to working off 0% interest rates or nearly 0% interest rates. We just had another raise yesterday and everybody seems to think that when they stop raising, they're going to start dropping. It's just going to be like a peak and then to a valley. But that doesn't seem to be likely to
1: me. What are your thoughts on it? I I'd, I'd, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue. I mean, prior to January 2023, I would have thought that they they probably would not have had any more significant hikes, but now here in 2023 in January things are now starting to turn around and some of these companies are reporting very strong earnings so who knows it kind of comes back to that whole debt fiasco I went through and since going through all that I've been buying properties and I I try to just purchase for cash right I never got a mortgage on any of these properties and then 2020 2021 2022 real estate values skyrocket. right and yeah and all all of our homes are single family rental properties they I mean they appreciated significantly and by this time my credit score has recovered yeah <laughs> and I could actually qualify for a mortgage um on paper I,
0: you're good again
1: no. yeah on paper I can go borrow a bunch of money but you know like I I just I didn't refinance anything and it was I'm like listen it's not worth it right, right. I you want to kind of try to create the situation where int- whatever happens in the industry it doesn't really impact you I really don't know what's going to happen I mean, it's yeah, certainly, no with the inflation and the cost of everything, I, I, I honestly don't know. My family, we were in complex over the weekend, and <clears throat> my younger daughter likes Lululemon and all these real expensive right luxury i don't know whatever clothing there's lines out the door at these places and the right. prices are and i'm just I, i'm not quite get it i mean are these people is everyone just borrowing money i, I don't yeah. know but i'm i don't know what's going to happen with interest rates yeah i, I shop I at know. thrift stores when i shop so yeah, i'm yeah i will never shop. be in
0: a lululemon store
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i uh, I, uh, I go in with my daughter, but I'm, I don't own any Lululemon, yeah.
0: Yeah. What about crypto? You are you, a little bit younger than me, probably a good bit younger than me. Again, reading your newsletters and your emails, I've read about you kind of not jumping on the bandwagon, but becoming interested in crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum and different things. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: I love the idea of Bitcoin and all the cool things that it that does to transfer money with, within seconds without any administrative hassles or bank hassles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the idea of it and I love the idea that it's scarce. And But smart people that I associate with are really into the future opportunities of it and, and long-term that, especially Bitcoin, not necessarily all the other, a very valuable asset going forward. Yeah, But for me personally, I don't like to buy an asset that does provide income right Mm -hmm. because if you buy bitcoin just hoping that the price of bitcoin increases you're you're speculating right And, and and if you don't know for sure that bitcoin is going to appreciate in value then you're taking on a significant amount of risk so mm-hmm. when i got involved in crypto it was kind of at the top of the market and obviously it has, has come down but i now um, i'm messing around with it's a little system that buys and sells crypto on a daily basis and it it just makes these small profits right. the preset market orders and if a price moves it just triggers these buy and sell orders the reason i like that is because now you're getting you're generating income from the asset so if what cryptocurrency doesn't appreciate you're still profiting from it and you can use those profits to buy more bitcoin or other assets but i really try not to invest for appreciation right uh, and that's because i can't multiply assets if i'm investing for appreciation kind of a
0: staking system where you're staking what you have like I said and earning just a little bit of of that crypto like I said and then turning any profits over to something else
1: <laughs> it's 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 um it's kind of hard to explain you have the ability to set up these little automatic robots and now watch the video that you sent yeah so what what happens is that if the price is let's say i don't know $5 for a specific digital currency it will set several buy orders 10 20 whatever you set it to buy orders below $5 and then it'll set several sell orders above $5. So, as that price moves, if it dips down below, it'll buy a little bit. And if it dips back up, it'll sell a little bit. It, it just, these preset orders trigger if the price point moves beyond that threshold. These little incremental purchases and sales that happen on a daily basis multiple times during the day and these small little profits end up compounding over time and they provide daily income. And the cool part about that income is you can use it to buy additional Bitcoin or you, or whatever you want. You can withdraw from your account. That to me, you know, I know Bitcoin and Ethereum and they've appreciated a little bit over the last couple of weeks it seems like on a rebound, which is fantastic, but I just have trouble investing for appreciation. I just really want the assets that we own to pay us for owning them and that comes from Robert Kiyosaki and it's a main part of everything I do.
0: Would you say his books have been a big influence on you or do you have if it's not him, any other authors or books that you really credit with kind of your mindset
1: now on that? Oh, definitely. Um, Well, when it comes to business, Dan Kennedy obviously is probably the one who's been the most helpful for me there. When it comes to real estate, I would, I might say it is Robert Kiyosaki. The first book that I read of Robert Kiyosaki was the Cash Flow Quadrant. Mm-hmm. And it book changed my life because when I read it, I was working as an individual real estate salesperson. For Robert Kiyosaki, that's what he calls the S quadrant. You know, you're self-employed. I really want to get into the B quadrant, meaning I want to have a business that runs and is profitable without my day-to-day involvement. So mm-hmm. that idea in that book led me to start my own brokerage, which then led me to Dan Kennedy. It was like this circle oh, of events, but his idea is immensely helpful for me. I bought his uh, board game,
0: Cash Flow for Kids, and and they still like feel like they were traumatized by me making them <laughs> sit down and play. <laughs> Play that game, but I think it did leave an impression on them
1: about Hannah will probably say a thing if you ask her. They no will really? <laughs> yeah, she'll give you an eye roll if you print. Yeah, that was
0: funny. I thought it was a good game. You know, it's like it was a different take on Monopoly kind of deal. But um, I'm with you. You never know what's going to traumatize kids, uh, but it's in a funny way, and they, I think, they did get something out of it. So tell everybody about your your newsletter and how they can. Find out about you, your courses you have available, sign up for your email list if they would like to. It's wide ranging. It's interesting. There's a lot of thoughtful content there and it's challenges you as well, because I've thought about this particular newsletter from a few months ago. It's been a bit of a struggle mentally more than anything uh, since I left the fire department. I guess because my activities were directed. I knew where I was going to be. I knew what my assignment was. knew what was expected of me. And I guess since leaving that structure, I've kind of flittered and fluttered and fiddled around and trying to figure out what I should be doing with my days. But you'll probably remember this. It said something to effect that if you can't make up your mind that you're going to go out today and make some money, do something to make some money, you're fucked if you can't do that.
1: <laughs> I know which newsletter that you're talking about. It wasn't necessarily about making money. It was about basically making a decision that you're going to do something and then you right. go do it. Right. right. You follow can do it. I struggle with the same things that you struggle with, especially as you get older, right? Because your your goals tend to change. And then as you get older, you start to realize that X, Y, and Z maybe is not necessarily as yeah. important. And probably why I started the, the Cash Winner membership. It was like, at that point in time, I'm like, I want to create a membership or a newsletter because I've gotten so many so much value out of newsletters that I want to create a newsletter that I wish were that I could get that talked about mindset, that talked about real estate, that talked about stocks. I'm interested in so many other different things. And I just want to, I created a newsletter that's all around stuff (laughs) that I... That i like so right. i watch a movie and i'm like oh that's a great idea so i really created something that i enjoy working on and that's so, a good
0: way to do it if you can't get it you just make it yourself and then and I, bring I other people along for the ride right
1: you tend to attract people that are very similar to you if i'm interested in certain things more than likely the people that are reading my emails that they're interested in in similar things and i i think You've kind of done the same thing with your podcast. You wanted to do this and and look, I, uh, what episode is this that you're on? How many have you done?
0: Uh, it's not that many. It's probably 15 or 16 or so, but you were trying to do one a week. Most of the time I'm able to do that. It's still a little bit of me being a little bit shy about asking people to be on. People ask me about what's the goal? Why are you doing it? That sort of thing. And <laughs> you know, I've. I finally figured it out recently. It's it's just to talk to people that I already know, like and love and then to find new people that I want to talk to and know, like and love. So really that's that's the goal
1: of it. Yeah, you want to talk to interesting people, right? And you're you're doing it. I I have no idea on the stats of people who start podcasts and how many episodes they record. But I would have to bet that 15 podcasts have recorded more podcasts than 80% of the people that have started podcasts, including this guy. (laughs) Uh, I started a podcast and... I don't know, probably by the seventh or eighth eighth episode, I'm like, I'm done with this just because I was trying to edit and do all.
0: Exactly. I would be, I would have not gotten to seven or eight if you hadn't mentioned that Hannah was able to do that because that was a big part of not starting one was just, then I got to listen to it again. I just did the podcast. Now I got to listen to it again and I got to cut it out. and I got (laughs) to do this and that. And I mean, I was there. Why should I, I don't want to really do it all over again. So,
1: well, you know, and the other thing is it's not easy to listen to yourself or what you watch. It is painful, right? Actually, yeah. pretty horrible. <laughs>
0: my, my wife, you know, will record me. Like I said, doing karaoke sometimes. I said, nah, just and I get compliments <laughs> almost every time. I think, you man, that was good. You know, this part of it's choosing the right song uh, for yeah. sure. But yeah. I, I do get I compliments, but I can't
1: listen myself. It's yeah, it's terrible. No, but I you seriously, my hat is off to you for hanging in there. I'm so happy that you're still doing it,
0: and I'm happy that you encouraged me to do it. Tell everybody if you know if somebody listening wants to, whether they hear it next week or they hear it two years from now, where can they? check out rob minton and what he's got going on and then check out the newsletter if they want to what's what's the best way to find
1: you and if you go to so i don't hate the site very much but if you get on my email <laughs> right you'll, you'll hear from me
0: you experimented recently with the facebook group i don't think you shut it down but you just kind of said it wasn't something that you were putting much energy into. Is that still the case?
1: I truly value connecting to high-level people. So much from other people, and you know, your network is another extremely valuable asset. I'm not a Facebook guy. I'm yeah, I'm not a social media guy. And I started this. I was like, you know what? Why don't I do a Facebook group for people who are in the Cash Winner membership? And because I know. That- and work with a number of people in the membership and there are some heavy hitters and mm-hmm. the- I start this Facebook maybe it would be a great resource for everyone where we can ask each other questions and share ideas and thoughts. That was the main goal of the group, would post something. And it just there just wasn't a lot of activity in it. And then I, I just realized, you know, that those groups take, they take a lot of work to build those communities to really get engagement in the community. And mm-hmm. here I am not engaged in any of these online <laughs> communities trying to run uh, an online community, which in hindsight, I said, we attract people that are very similar to us. I've attracted people in this Facebook group that are very similar to me that do not right. spend a lot of time on Facebook. Right. The idea was cool. The execution, uh, probably, was not the best. Um, it, it's still, I think, a great resource. It's just I, I'm not hardwired to build those online communities, even though right. they're immense.
0: I recommended the book to you and you mentioned it in one of your new letters, the James Altucher, Skip the Line was the name of the book, and that you're constantly experimenting because you never know what's going to work. And there's failed experiment is a great learning experiment if you want to call it a, a fail. So you really don't fail, but you You learn from the outcome and you tried something because more often than not, we really don't know a damn thing about what's going to work. We just got to try a bunch of stuff and and see what happens.
1: So I'm very thankful for that book recommendation because you I don't know if you put it in the Facebook group or not. But where however you sent that book recommendation to me is I, I went out and got it. Like when a high level person recommends something, I usually follow through on that recommendation. So I think I read it pretty quickly after you recommended it. And I was like, wow, without realizing it, I've been conducting many experiments, Mm -hmm. but the way he outlined it in the book was very helpful. And I think the main reason why it was so helpful for me, have these ideas right and the ideas seem typically seem maybe too big or overwhelming or right. or maybe some negative thoughts come in like that won't work or and when you reframe it i think it's your perspective a little bit and it gives you the opportunity to to try it i don't remember altiger's definitions but it's something you can do quickly something that you don't have to invest a ton of money in right um that you try it and see if it works and it's still valuable to you, even if it doesn't work, because you typically will learn something when you conduct that mini experiment. I think maybe for me, the biggest takeaway was that, like, for you, how about this? And I think we probably had this conversation as you were like, oh, I want to do this podcast. I'm like, well, why don't you experiment and do a couple of them? Then when you look at it from that angle, you get in action mode versus being like, oh, I, I can't, it's too much. I really, I was so thankful you sent that to me. It was very helpful. Yeah, it was. A-
0: Great book for me, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. The good thing about you know whatever you want to call it, social media, or you know, it gives you an opportunity to find some black-minded people, and even if that's not how you stay in contact with them, it does open up a, a wider world of uh, potential experiences. And I'm thankful I found you, and I think it was through Craig Proctor listening to you and kind of following Dan Kennedy. But yeah, I've been uh, we're getting the Cash Flow Nair newsletter for years and highly recommend it rob minton is a top notch guy he's a long-term thinker he's a scientist because he likes to experiment and he shares what he learns from his experiences and in an effort to help himself and then bring others along for the ride to help them so um I highly recommend that you hook up with Rob however you can. Check out his Cash Flow Nair, so it's kind of like Millionaire with uh, cash flow at the front. I think you'll enjoy it and get a lot out of it. So appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. And is there anything else you'd like to say to whoever might be listening about how they should approach their investments and they're uh they're trying to do the same thing you're trying to do which is uh, build assets for the long term
1: thank you for having me and i've appreciated our friendship i know we've talked several times over the years so i appreciate being able to connect with you and uh, i respect everything you've done and as a firefighter you know so my hats off to you for that in terms of investments i guess i would say consider Charlie Munger's advice, which he always tells people to invert, right? So instead of copying what everyone else does, which is very easy to do, um, to stop and just really think about what you want. Like fast forward five, 10, whatever, 15 years into the future, If you could wave a magic wand what would you like that to look like work backwards from that people who get a job and then they save a lot of money in their retirement plan what does that look like in 10 years are you able to retire in 10 years and more than likely you're not and the reason why is because you're not multiplying assets inside your retirement account you're buying assets that are hopefully going to appreciate in value but think about what you want things to look like and then work backwards and try to implement the steps that you might need to have that picture become real and sadly they don't really you know we're never taught that when we're younger like we we just copy the plan that everyone else get a good job and 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 follow the save as much as you can for retirement and one day maybe when you're in your 60s you'll be able to retire and enjoy like maybe right if the market doesn't crack start at the end and work backwards you don't have to do what everyone else does and in many cases when you do what everyone else does you end up not happy <laughs> right
0: yeah. charlie munger is a good uh he's he's getting beat up by the crypto crowd uh recently yeah. but uh he's a big thinker and he's got a lot of things uh you can learn a lot by reading listen to him and his buddy warren buffett he's a- i actually have a i sent out an email recently and i have a signed copy of the intelligent investors signed by warren buffett and charlie munger um, do you really i do yeah i just mailed it to you i didn't meet him in person i just I sent it to them and asked them to sign it. Actually they did. didn't have that. So that's that all totally my weird. prized possessions. I'll send you a picture of it.
1: So Yeah. Anyway. Well that the idea in that book, you want to try to invest in a way where you a lot can go wrong and you you could still be okay. Right. I mean, that's that's something I I think about all the time. You know, when I was younger I didn't think about risk. Now I think about risk A lot and what if i'm going to do something how can i minimize that risk and i I think that probably came from the that book so that's pretty cool you got their signatures i appreciate it
0: all right rob thanks for being on the podcast and uh look forward to seeing talking to you and getting those emails (laughs) soon uh thanks for having me you bet